The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to day two. Well, really day one, whatever. NBA Finals edition. Second day that I've been able to say that of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A, part of a Hoop Ball presentation, Hoop Ball Podcast Network. Hoop Ball does what it does. Make it do what it do. You can follow them on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Today is Wednesday, payday for some, including yours truly, July 7th. And the Phoenix Suns are three wins away from the NBA championship. That's right. Phoenix Suns did prevail over the Milwaukee Bucks 118-105 in last night's Game 1 victory. And I actually did this a little bit differently. I did a um, quarter-by-quarter note breakdown. I would put it on Twitter, but, you know, shoddy handwriting, you know, on, on an account for writing as fast as I could while still watching. Also, I mean, I... had. I, I think I'm a decent basketball analyzer, but I am nowhere near some of the many great ones who have done this work already on Twitter. Most of it in real time that you go back and follow, so I'm not going to share those. But I'm going to share them on this podcast because I think this running game diary really helped me to understand how the Suns kind of pulled away from it. So we start in the first quarter, right? I was really looking at the lineups. We had the news uh, a little bit before. Remember, he was doubtful a day before, then questionable the morning of, and then he started. And that one guy was, yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I talked about this on yesterday's finals preview. I said, you know, health was a big one, especially him being day-to-day. I thought that he would loom, as I wrote, in this series and would more than likely return in Game 2 or Game 3. No, he returned in Game 1. So my projected starting lineups from yesterday basically went out the window. I had Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Chris Milton, P.J. Tucker, and Brooke Lopez. And Milwaukee said, screw you, Corbin. You don't know anything about basketball, especially when Giannis is in. And they have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, P.J. Tucker, and Brooke Lopez. For the Suns, at least I got that right. Same starting five they've had all postseason. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton. And so I was really focused on the defensive matchups in this first quarter because I thought that you were going to have, as I wrote, or as I said um, in yesterday's show, see, um, you were going to have Holiday on Paul, and you were going to have Chris on CP3, you know, with PJ Tucker getting his moments on, um, or Holiday on Chris Paul, and then um, Chris Middleton on Devin Booker, with PJ Tucker getting his, his his time there as well. Well, that's not how it turned out. So, on the Buck side, you had Holiday on Booker, Chris, PJ Tucker, Chris Tucker, oh my goodness, PJ Tucker on Chris Paul, you had Chris Middleton on Jay Crowder, Giannis on Mikel Bridges, and Baruch Lopez on Jay Crowder. And then, on the Sun side, they literally just kind of mirrored that. Paul on Tucker, Booker on Holiday, but then they made one little subtle shift there. They had eight on Giannis, Crowder on Lopez, and Bridges on Middleton. So this was that was the difference there. Um, the Suns crowd first quarter, I mean, all game, but my first like note was literally, Suns crowd is loud. They were just pounding away. The noise was insane. Several times the broadcast team of Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and uh, Mark Jackson talked about how they couldn't hear a call or anything over the sound of the crowd. I think sometimes Phoenix Suns fans can be obnoxious, but I also think they've earned that right. 11 years without postseason appearance, and now they're in the finals for the first time since 1993. Yeah, they get that. Uh, Giannis looks surprisingly spry considering 
the hyperextension that he already suffered. He was active early. Um, he finished with eight points, five boards, and two assists in that first quarter. The Suns were aggressive, though, in early offense and transition. Uh, and my thought was that Russ had seemed to do them well because they came in primed and ready to go. Uh, not that Milwaukee didn't. They sort of matched the energy, but they just didn't seem to have the same zip that Phoenix did, especially with their backcourt, Devin Booker and Chris Paul leading the way. Um, there was an injury, unfortunately, to Phoenix. Dario Saric went down late in the first quarter. Did not return with the right knee injury. He went to plant to go for a shot, and it seemed like what he planted was awkwardly, and he kind of buckled. He didn't fall, but you could tell that right knee was causing him some discomfort. He did leave, like I said, midway through the game and didn't return. Um, That did bring uh, Frank the Tank. We'll talk about him in a second. Didn't really do too much, but again, we'll talk about him in a second. Um, but that was the most notable like injury or piece of news in the first quarter for the Suns, who, even though... They shot 0 for 4 from 3 and didn't make their, I mean, didn't make their first three-point until midway through the third. Thank you, campaign. Um, they did end up taking the lead 30 to 26 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Sun shot 47% from the field, even with that 25% from three, which was better than the Bucks 42% from the field, even though the Bucks shot a little better from three, shooting 33%. Uh, they were both nearly even in rebounds and assists in that first quarter. Uh, Booker keyed the Suns. He had 12 points, two rebounds, and three assists. And at the time, Chris Paul hadn't scored at all. Zero points in the first quarter for Chris, Chris Paul. He did have three assists, but that was interesting to me. Second quarter, you know, Middleton, he had a slow start. Uh, he was 2-7 up to a certain point. Uh, and then Jeff Green came in. and I, I mean, not Jeff Green. Jeff Teague came in. Jeff Teague, I feel like the dude, yes, he's not played well. But the dude gets a lot of slander for a guy who, yeah, he's not, he's, he's bad. But he's not as bad as people like to jump on him. I think he's more like the whipping boy. And I'm glad I made that case because he came out and helped me. He made me look a little bit better. He came and hit a three. And I said, okay, this could be, in my head, the the, the Jeff T game where he hits a couple threes. You know, he did that um, in the East Conference Finals. He can maybe make a little bit of an impact, uh, you know, kind of help Milwaukee. Uh, he he kind of just finished with that. Nine minutes, he finished with three points, one rebound, one assist. So, so much for my prediction there. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, like I said, did come in. He did not play much, only three minutes in that second quarter stint uh, that he came in where Dario Sarge would normally play, um, but it didn't work out too well. The Suns just were so small. I mean, they just are in general when Aiden's out, but with Sarge out as well and having the disadvantages that Kaminsky does bring on defense to a, a greater extent than Sarge really does um, showcase those weaknesses a little bit more. So he was in for a little bit and then he was out. But Frank Kaminsky, final minutes. The thing happened. Uh, Paul and Booker really started going after Brooke Lopez. He was able to hold his own in the first quarter, but that drop defense or that switching defense that they were going with, they just demanded ISOs. They got on Book, and they started cooking. Uh, Paul had a jumper. Booker had a jumper. They both got fouls drawn on Lopez. It just wasn't pretty for Book. Um, about the middle of the second quarter, though, Chris Middleton really started cooking a little bit better. Uh, like I said, he had started two for seven. He would heat up just a little bit there and, and kind of help the Bucks longer, like down the stretch. But honestly, the Suns' defense, it was just, it was a lot. It was frenetic. It was intense. It was all over the place. Um, it helped them pull away. Also, CP3 waking up did a little bit of that as well. Remember, Chris Paul had zero points in the first quarter. He heated up slightly, had 11 in the second. We'll talk about that more a little later. At halftime, Suns were up 57-49. to 49. Devin Booker led the way. He had 16 points and four assists on four of 11 shooting. DeAndre Ayton was playing tough. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 5 of 6, continuing yet another, you know, series of postseason um, action for him. Uh, Paul had his 11 points to go along with 4 assists. 
While for Milwaukee, um, Antetokounmpo had a near double-double at the time with 10 points and 9 rebounds on 4 of 7 shooting along with 3 assists. Where Chris Middleton woke up a little bit more, he had 12 points and 3 rebounds. Brooke Lopez gave Milwaukee 11 points and 4 boards. Drew Holiday was only 2-8 from the field, continuing just an ugly stretch of playoff shooting. And I'm going to talk about Drew Holiday in a little bit after this. But at this point in halftime, he had 6 assists, 3 rebounds to go along with his 6 points. Um, Phoenix had scored 27 in that second quarter to Milwaukee's 23. They shot 46% to Milwaukee's 42. Milwaukee shot slightly better from three. So they picked it up again, just continuing the trend they've already had from the first quarter, uh, 35 to 33%. And they had more rebounds and assists. But Phoenix, in all the hustle stats, all the ones that count, had more steals, had more points off turnovers. And they had less turnovers of their own. And that's what made it that eight-point halftime lead for Phoenix. Third quarter, Bucks were still switching, which was stupid. Paul isoed on Lopez about 10 minutes in, in the third um, 10 minutes left in the third, he iced on Lopez with a shot clock running down, he hit a three-pointer over him, but he twisted his left ankle, that was ruled a flagrant foul on Brooke, uh, and, you know, by the letter of the law it was, I don't think it was intentional at all, but we saw what Zaza Pachulia did a couple of years ago, he did not give Chris Paul a place to land, Chris Paul clearly tweaked it, it was odd, because it looked a lot worse than I guess it was, for the remainder of the game, Chris Paul looked okay, I'm sure, you know, he'd get treatment on it, sure, you know, do the old schoolboy trick, school person trick of tying up your shoe a little tighter, schoolyard is what I meant to say, but anyways, um, he played well, like, that ankle clearly didn't seem to be bothering, we'll talk about that in a little bit here, uh, the Suns end up just outrunning Milwaukee, they blew the lead to 13, they were winning the transition game, Mikel Bridges came alive, he has been solid pretty much all game, but he had 16 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3 through the third quarter, um, Aiton was getting just all over the glass. He tried to end Giannis at one point on the lob from Booker. Just missed it. Got a foul on Giannis. Um, Lopez did help for Milwaukee at 17 points and two threes. Uh, wait, 17 points up to that point in two three-pointers where, you know, that was helping them as well as Chris Middleton knocking down some shots and really the Bucks playing through him down the third quarter because you could tell this is where Giannis's injury really came to bear. Uh, you know, he was active around the boards. You know, he had some really good plays, especially early in the game, you know, overpowering, um, eight and a 1.4 dunk, getting around the rim, getting himself to the foul line. That was a constant trend throughout all of the game, but he didn't have the explosiveness that he does. You know, he, he can kind of go off in the half court and just take these galloping strides to the basket um, and really wreak havoc down there. It wasn't the same type of Giannis game. It was surprisingly healthy considering the injury that he had. It just wasn't that same type of force that you normally see him play with. So they went to they went to Chris Middleton, whose game really works in situations like this. He's able to cook on ISO. He's able to rise up for the three. You know, he's he's able to get stuff going. He can, you know, make some things happen for a Bucks team. Um, even if he's not like the greatest initiator outside of himself, the fact he can go put his head down and say, Okay, let's get these buckets was really big for Milwaukee. Uh, but Phoenix, man, they, they end up starting to blow it over. Um, they were up at the four-minute mark, 78-62. to 62. Uh, Milwaukee was trying the switch, and Phoenix was cooking them with that. So then Milwaukee tried the drop defense, and Phoenix was cooking them with that, too. There was, there was nothing they could do. And, and the large part of that was Chris Paul, who just picked through that defense, cut through it like a hot knife through butter. It wasn't even funny. Chris Paul had 16 points in the third on 6 of 7 shooting. Now remember, he had 0 points in the first quarter. He had 11 points in the second quarter. Now he has 16 points in the third quarter. That's 27 up to that point of the game. Fourth quarter, man, the Bucks were going for it, but they were already down from the end of the third quarter, 92 to 76. They started chomping back. They started fighting back. They put more um, Giannis at the five. That kind of got the Bucks back into it. Kind of made it easier for them to avoid switches because Giannis was there and and was still that intimidating of, of, a, of a defender, um, still that active, still that mobile that it was able to somewhat mitigate Phoenix, but it didn't really fix them for long. Uh, they tried it, though. They definitely try to have that defense working. Chris Middleton was cooking. 
I think that Milwaukee should have got a lot more foul calls than they ended up getting. I will say that. A little bit of home cooking was in effect. The way that Phoenix was fouling the Bucks, it was a lot of um, physicality in like the bottom area. Not up top with the arms where you can see where you're rising by the top, but more like riding on the hips and, and stuff like that. Little little veteran plays from a veteran team, but fouls nonetheless. But a lot of it wasn't called. Chris Middleton being, um, unfortunately, the, the prime, um, I don't even, what's the opposite of benefactor? Um, the prime recipient of that mistreatment. I'll go with that. Um, CP3 had just this vet move where he, you know, turned on the Jets, then shut on the brakes, got Giannis to follow man, made the shot, um, and that gave him 32. Uh, it was insane. It was insane. Just think about that. Just first quarter, again, nothing. 32 points from that point on. Um, Aiton had 19 rebounds, almost had a double-double, 2020 game, but Chris Paul did steal a rebound and felt bad immediately about it. Um, but that was pretty much all they wrote. The sense at that point was kind of academic. Milwaukee made a little bit of a run, but they just didn't have enough juice. Phoenix was just on fire, and that was the final score. Um, Giannis, man, brave, strong performance for him. 20 points, 17 rebounds. He fought hard, man. And I'm sure he'll continue to do that. I'm sure that the fact he was able to get out there and get that activity and show that he was able to do something in limited minutes, rest and recovery can only serve to help him. It does suck that he really only has a day of rest today, and then they play again tomorrow night, so that is something to watch. But the fact that he's able to give this type of reduction off of what he's had so far can lead hope if you're a Bucks fan that he can, you know, pick it up just a little bit more. And maybe Coach Bud will make adjustments? I don't know. Um, Chris Paul, clearly the MVP. 32 points on 12 of 19 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, could not be stopped, point God to the highest degree, uh, 9 assists to how many turnovers do you ask to? Just just great for him. And honestly, it's not just those guys, because Jay Crowder went 0 for 8, 0 for 5 from the field, and was still plus 19. Mikael Bridges played well, even if his shooting numbers didn't support that. Um, but the bench was solid too. Cameron Payne, 10 points. No assists, but still constantly being pressure, you know, Active, got a two, um, got a steal, was just around, you know, causing havoc for the Bucks. Cameron Johnson, man, two-way play from him. Ten points, three boards, two assists, two of four threes. Just looks extremely solid. Torrey Craig got 15 minutes in revenge action, and that was really it for them. Uh, for Milwaukee, I mean, you look at what I mentioned already. Giannis and Chris Middleton played well. Chris Middleton 29, Giannis 20. Brooke Lopez had 17 points and and, and six. Um, rebounds to go along with that, which for him is okay. Although you might have wished for more from Milwaukee's bench, you got balanced production from the four guys that got minutes. I mean, Jeff Teague with the three points in nine minutes, but Pat Connaughton got eight points off the bench. Uh, um, you had Bryn Forbes of six, Bobby Portis of five. I mean, I'm, I'm really grasping for straws here, as you can see. Uh, Drew Holiday was the only other player for Milwaukee with double digits with ten points. And this is where I go to Drew Holiday, man. Um, Drew Holiday. I mean, 10.7 rebounds, 9 assists. 4 of 14 from the field. Didn't make a three-pointer. Knocked down both his free throws the one time he, one trip he went to the line. But, and this might be a hot take here, but as ineffective as he was compared to the just sublime play, I think that's a word, I'm pretty sure that's a word. Anyway, compared to, let's just say, the pristine play of Chris Paul. And this might be very hot takey. I'm not saying it isn't. Are the Bucks better off? With Drew Holiday than Eric Bledsoe? No, no, stop. Don't don't jump on me. I'm just saying in terms of what they've gotten from Drew Holiday. Sure, they've had some decent Drew Holiday games. I'm, I'm not trying to slander Drew Holiday entirely. Especially when you consider that for the most part, while he could have been a lot better given, you know, all the talk that was about how well, 
you know, he's been from Milwaukee or how well he was going to be and how much of an impact he was going to make on this team. I, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, outside his expectations, he still have has played, you know, pretty solid. Um, with the exception, I'd say, of Game 3 of that Hawks series, 6 points, um, even though he had 12 assists on 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. He's had other, like, less than stellar games, but this was his first, for, like, actual dud of a game. And you needed more. You needed more. The fact that I was even able to think, oh, would the Bucks be better with Eric Bledsoe? As nonsensical as that might indeed be, I tend to agree that myself, even while making this point. It's still something that came to mind only because Drew Holiday didn't really make that much of an impact on the game. I mean, not from what I saw. You know, nine assists, great. You know, seven rebounds as well. But when they needed a bucket, he wasn't the one to give it to you. And Chris Milton was taking an outsized share of the offense just by necessity. Because nobody else was there that was able to do it. Giannis being in limited role, the fact that he was able to get what he did in the minutes that he did, 35 big minutes, putting up a double-double of that degree, very solid for him. But, I mean, long-term short, you needed more. And maybe you get that from Drew next game. You would hope so. He hasn't seen to have had two bad games in this postseason so far. So there is reason to believe that, you know, he can come back and bounce back. But you need more from Milwaukee at this stage. Because, yes, you know, you're shorthanded. Yeah, Dante DiVincenzo as a loss on his own isn't that impactful, but the fact that it forces other players who would normally be playing smaller roles to take on bigger roles with those same weaknesses that they have, whether it's Brent Forbes on defense or Pat Content and shaky outside shooting, with those factors being the case, it's forcing more cracks in the fixture of the Bucks than they have to cover. They just don't have enough to paper over that, especially when you have a, a Giannis who, as well as he's playing, is still hobbled. So you need a guy like Drew Holiday to play at his maximum. You do. Whatever you can get from P.J. Tucker is cookies. You know You know what you've been getting from Chris Middleton. The fact that Giannis is giving what he did is great. Brooke Lopez has been solid, but you need that. And I'm looking at him because you need someone to stay in front of those guards. Both went off relatively, so that didn't really happen. Mind you, they're both just all-purpose, all-NBA guards. But I'm just saying, you didn't stop them on one end. You didn't make them pay on the other. They just ran amok. That's the guy that I think I'm looking at right now that needs to improve. So, MVP of this game, Chris Paul. Um, least viable player, we're going to go with Drew Holiday. Not because his game was that horrible, it was pretty bad, but just because he could have been so much better, and the Bucks, frankly, needed so much better. Anyway, today is an NBA off day. So, definitely, I guess, from there, you know, people who are going to look back and analyze this game, you know, are going to find a, a lot to look at from the Suns' perspective and the Bucks' perspective just overall. Um, we do have some WNBA games tonight to watch, so definitely make sure to check them out. We have the Dallas Wings versus the Minnesota Lynx. We have the Phoenix Mercury versus the Las Vegas Aces. That's one I'm looking forward to. And the Los Angeles Sparks versus Seattle Storm. Uh, so, again, tonight, Wings and Lynx at 5 then you have Mercury and Aces at 7, and then followed by the Storm versus the Sparks, also at 7. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, Las Vegas Aces are just the hottest team right now in the WNBA, arguably. Uh, I'm in the Phoenix area, so the Phoenix Mercury, I have a personal uh, investment there. Uh, so we're going to see how they respond. And then the Sparks have been fun, and the Storm have been as solid as they've been over the last couple of years. So definitely make sure to check that out. I should have my draft um, first mock draft 1.0. Yes, the long belated, heavily anticipated <laughs> round ball ramble mock draft 1.0 should be dropping here soon. So definitely make sure to look out for that. Um, that's what I'll be doing. Probably give a recap of some of these WNBA games to play tonight as well. Outside of that, that really is just about it for another edition of Round Ball Ramble. So make sure to check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets, online Hoop Dash Ball.com. 
You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out the good work that's being done. NBA content all over. Um, I like basketball intelligence. Uh, look them up. Just Google that. Uh, you'll be able to sign up for their newsletter. Uh, going to be a Substack soon that gives you just a ton of content, all written links um, or, or videos to mostly written links, but to work that's being done by creators all over about, you know, individual series, uh, mock drafts, uh, off-season content, whatever. It's a great way to catch up on that, and I'll be sharing more of that um, later on as we go here with the things that I've enjoyed watching and reading. We're going to bring that segment back, but that's enough talking from me, y'all. This has been Round Ball Ramble. I've been and am Corbin Ford. I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.